but what I sometimes forgot is yeah to look left and right to look for some other interesting options. So I would the advice would be be a bit more curious, open-minded, and maybe unbiased, more unbiased, because also regarding the blockchain technology or cryptocurrencies, I was before maybe a bit biased or not open to it. So if I would have been more open, I think I would have dived in deeper earlier, which would be an advantage maybe now. Hi guys, my name is Russell and I'm here today with Mark Anders. You speak about his life and how he came into the blockchain space. Mark, let's start right away. First question for you, what's your catchphrase? And thanks Marcel. I would describe my catchphrase as never settle. Why never settle? Even though it's the, also the catchphrase of OnePlus, for example. Um, I think if you are not confident in the position or maybe also too confident in the position, it's sometimes good to make a change. And also, I think it's never too late to make a change if you are in a position for maybe several years and um, there's no, yeah, there's no positive outlook or no, um, yeah, chance for positive development, I would say, for learning and so on. It's always good to reconsider, I think, and make a change if necessary. Of course, in this podcast, we will find out more. Let's start with your childhood. Where have you grown up? Yeah, I've grown up here in the near, um, in the yeah, surrounding of Frankfurt, let's say. And um, yeah, I have a pretty straightforward background. I, I think went to elementary school, directly after went to the gymnasium, we say here to high school in Germany and yeah, finished with the Abitur. So in general, yeah, only two schools, very, um, not boring, but um, very, um, Constant, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah. You already mentioned school. So how was your school time as a kid? Uh, did you love to go to school? Yeah, I did. I, I also liked the school, but I was always, um, um, yeah, I would say more outdoors person mm -hmm. and a bit impatient. So it was when I was younger, not so easy for me to stay. Of course, for, in, in, for children in general, it's difficult, more difficult than for grown-ups. But for me, especially, it was a bit difficult to sit um, patient in the class and so on. So sometimes the teachers um, <laughs> let me go out for a moment. <laughs> I remember when I was very young in grade and so on. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite subject? Um, later, I would say physics and mm -hmm. economics. So that was also what I chose then for the Abitur, for the main mm -hmm. classes. Um, And I think this was yeah, due to interest in both in techniques, mathematics, and also economics. And yeah, I think it still is. Yeah. What about languages? It was English, um, but I would say I was not so strong in English and uh, in the in, yeah, outside Spanish on top. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say I was not motivated enough to um, yeah, learn it properly. And that's why I also made other steps later to improve, but we will maybe discuss it uh, mm. later. You already mentioned teachers. Yeah. So what do you think, what kind of role play teachers and maybe as a, for a child yeah, to, to grow up, 
to learn new things? Were there any, or did you have a favorite teacher? I would say in the high school that there are two. One was my physics teacher, mm -hmm. which was really supporting me, but sometimes even supporting me a bit too strong because she was very, um, she thought that I was very good and so on. And it, sometimes it was maybe even too much support, mm -hmm. but still it was good for me, I think, because I um, saw my potential and so on. And then one other teacher was my economics teacher then in the arbitrary um, uh, time. And he was very challenging. So he was very strict. And I think it motivated me to um, self-learn, let's say, to um, yeah, spend time in research, writing texts and so on about politics and economics and so on. And I think that was a good base layer for, uh, for my studies later then. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, that for you there were parallels between the favorite teacher and the favorite subject? A bit, I would say. Yeah. Of course, it's not easy to say as often if you are good or interested in a subject, then maybe the teacher tends to also like you more if you show them mm -hmm. that you're interested. And But yeah, I think it's a bit correlated, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Of course, as a child, you're not only going to school, there's some time more next to school. So what have you done in your free time? Um, as I mentioned, when I was younger, I was clearly an outside person. Uh, I was cycling a lot. This was also then the um, start to a, let's say, semi-professional cyclist career, mm. which I had from maybe when I was 10 years old until 16. So I spent a lot of time training on the bicycle, on the road bike, and went to races across Germany with my parents on the weekends. But when I, yeah, when I grew up, then um, you somehow had to decide if you want to focus on that and spend a lot of time. And it, I think this is um, clearly, um, I would say, the case of priorities. And it still is also, you can also, related to the business life and so on do you really want it or not so this was also at that time the decision do you want to spend time in racing and so on and maybe get a chance to become a professional cyclist mm. or not and at this time i decided against it and uh, stopped it mm. can you give us some insights how training uh, looked like and maybe even a competition so what's the structure of that i mean when when i was really young it was not so coordinated, it was more training a bit and so on. But then, um, especially, I think it's in, in, the, in, the, in, a, in a sport where the power, so the training is really important, like cycling, and then it starts really early with training, training plans. So where you have a clear plan, which starts in the winter, where you uh, cycle longer turns with low pulse, so you also have the the pulse frequency tracker then and so on already um, tracking your trainings it's clearly defined how long which distance and so on and um, then when it comes towards the racing season usually we went to croatia to a, a training camp so two weeks of intense training with the whole cycling club and so i would say even though it was only um child races or um, yeah People for races for young people, and uh, it's still it was already on a really professional level. So mm -hmm. it, this is um, I think typical for cycling sports, but maybe also for athletics and so on. Mm -hmm. 
Very interesting. And I think, of course, you most likely learn to reach always the finish line or always going to, to the end. And of course, discipline. I think you need a lot of that. Um, so if you think about um, your school time, of course, moving onwards, um, primary school, secondary school, um, how would you say was your secondary school time and with an outlook to the study you chose? So were you a really good uh, student or in, in secondary school uh, and did you have a lot of options after your school time? I think in the school time um, I was more in the middle field, mm -hmm. so I was not very bad, but also not outstanding, except from a few courses, maybe like physics for a time, I was really one of the best, I would say, in my class. But when I when it came then to the abitur time, uh, yeah, the comp competitiveness at my school was re relatively high, I would say, mm -hmm. also compared to the studies, because it was a, a, a gymnasium uh, in Bad Homburg. I think um, the, yeah, the base education all had was re really good. So I would say it was relatively competitive at my at my school, and then I would say I was only in the midfield. But also because I think I did not uh, spend too much time on learning. I could have invested more. So um, question is, should I have invested more or not? Um, you mentioned the options I had. Mm -hmm. I would say if I would have been better in school, yeah, clearly I would have more options because um, the grade in the end counts in Germany. So I couldn't have studied medicine, for example, or some other studies. But this was not my plan, so it was okay for me. But um, yeah, I think it's relatively important here in Germany to, mm. to get. Also, if you want to do dual studies like you did, for example, I think it's very important your grade from, from the school. Yeah, I agree. But I think in the end, it highly depends what you want to study. For, of yeah. course, if somebody has a dream of studying medicine, he he has to spend the time there yeah of course if it's a dream but if you want to study something else and you need maybe a lower grade that's completely fine i think in the end the only person uh, you you're judged by is yourself <laughs> so um, i think that's highly correlated um so now you're turning 18 19 what have you done after school? Yeah, during that summer, I was uh, working at Trillenius. I was also a working student later. Mm. And yeah, with a friend we were discussing, he was also working there, what should we study? And yeah, we, we then uh, decided for engineering, mechanical mm. engineering and uh, applied in Dresden. And the reason for that was we were a bit late. <laughs> so I was not early with mm. my decision. I, I I hesitated a bit with this decision, what I should study and so on. Um, and if you want to um, go to some universities or some studies, you have to decide early, as you know. And I think we decided this in maybe in August, uh, in the summer of 2013 it was. And, and went together actually uh, to Dresden, moved there, um, had a shared flat together. But um, we're actually both not so confident there. For two reasons one was the very big university and the second was the city and relatively far away from here from frankfurt mm -hmm. and i think looking back at this time i was not ready for that for this step because i was a bit too much connected here still and also um, i would say a big university with like 1000 uh, new students and so on 
at this bigger technical universities was not the right thing for me. And so, yeah, I skipped it or I actually failed in the first mm. step of my studies, which I regretted, not regretted, but I was not so happy with it for a long time because it was then one year after I did my abitur and everybody else then maybe was already settled or just chosen their new studies and I was a bit unsecure I would say in that in that time and yeah what then happened I went back home somehow and decided to study here around the Frankfurt area at the smaller University of Applied Science and for me it was better because yeah, it was smaller more connection between the, uh, the lecturers and the students. I think this is a really, really big difference. And it, it, it's clearly uh, a decision of um, a subjective uh, opinion. I think if you like it more anonym at a bigger university or in a smaller field, a bit more in between school and studies, then it, let's say a mix of the of school size mm -hmm. and big universities then these courses where you are up to maybe maximum 100 or 200 people in the bigger courses and the smaller only 20. And for me, um, in terms of learning, this was clearly better. And um, yeah, I was very happy about that. And actually, um, here comes the connection then to school and studies. I decided to, to study business engineering or industrial engineering, which is essentially a, a mix of economics and physics or mathematics. So both for my school subjects came together actually mm -hmm. and I was really happy about that step and I think it, looking back now it was the right decision. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes failing is, is super important. I think I failed a lot of times in my life. Of course, not, not so many people know all your failures in life. Uh, most likely if you look back only uh, the successes can be seen after a few years. But I think a failure is something that gives you in the end the drive to move on. And if you get back on your feet, I think it's always super helpful. Uh, so now you're studying nearby of, of Frankfurt. Where exactly? Was it in Frankfurt? or It was in Friedberg. Mm -hmm. So the university is called Technische Hochschule Mittelhessen mm -hmm. or Technical University Mittelhessen. And um, yeah, it was a smaller town. And actually during that time, I was then still living at home and was um, because the, the city was not so attractive to live there. I, did, I planned first of all, I planned to move to Frankfurt, but in the end, I did, did not do it um, because, um, yeah, yeah, maybe because uh, I was a bit too comfortable maybe at mm -hmm. home, I would say. But yeah, during the time I was then studying and also for me, it was always important to also work. So I decided to work to continue my work at Fresenius Medical Care. I was a working student there. First in the accounting, maybe a very easy job where it was more, more about scanning and copying and so on. It's mm -hmm. a typical uh, job for a young student maybe, but then I decided to apply to a real working student uh, position there, which was also very important, I think, this, this step, because I was then in the business development there, was really integrated in a team got my first project, which yeah was a good um, addition to my studies, I would say. Um, and did this then for roughly, it was only roughly two years in Friedberg um, before I then um, started an internship. Um, here comes the connection to what I mentioned earlier, learning English. So towards the end of my bachelor, I had um, English lessons 
And also during that time, I noticed, okay, my English is not so well. I'm not so well prepared for a bus professional business life. Uh, what should I do? I need to do an internship. It was clear for at least half a year. So I decided to apply uh, in the UK um, because it should be in country where English was the first language. So I, I chose uh, the UK and applied there at Bentley Motor Europe. So I was always interested in cars. It was in the UK, it was a nice brand. So it, it was clearly a match. And um, yeah, I moved there for like eight months with abroad. So I could here clap several tick marks abroad, automotive internship, and also improving English. And um, also it was a really nice time. I, I, I learned a lot during that time. And yeah, it was clearly a very, very good step, I think. And a very important step also if I look at my brother career which then followed and so on very interesting for me it was similar and uh, for a lot of guests and this podcast as well i think a lot of people uh, have used maybe an internship in a foreign country to develop their english skills for me it was a little bit different i, I used social media mm. <laughs> started to do everything on social media in english of course uh, youtube and podcasts in english as well to to better english and to force myself in, in doing it every day or every week uh, but I completely understand uh, my school English was really bad uh, at the end of my school time and even at the end of my study. Um, now you have finished your bachelor's study. Uh, if I know it correctly, you have done a master, right? Yeah. So where was the master at what kind of university? Yeah, before I came back and I had to finish my bachelor thesis in mm -hmm. Germany. So. Uh, there was a short short step in between. So I applied at the University of Kassel mm -hmm. already at that time. It was clear that I did my master there. And before I went to a small German com German company, German mid-sized company in the in the plastics industry, mm -hmm. and had also an interesting time there because I was in the 3D manufacturing mm -hmm. industry there. So they were just starting to put, uh, produce that. And uh, my bachelor thesis was about a uh, topic there in, in um, so it was again a new industry for me so i really had to a bit adapt plastics industry 3d printing also new technology and so on and yeah so i had also good in time there for like four months and then i directly moved to kassel which is northern hessen and yeah this time it was a university i felt like okay and um, i was now at the university of applied science now let's go to university again also, because uh, of the further career plans, I thought it's good to have both. Because some people, I thought, uh, some recruiters might like the uh, University of Applied Science, uh, some like the university more. So let's do both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I went then to the master there. Actually, I already know, knew this university because a friend of mine was already studying there in the bachelor. And then, funny enough, we were finishing bachelor at the same time and then starting the master together there. Um, so again, I was there already knowing someone in the city, knowing a friend there. And yeah, I had a good time time there and during my master. Had some mix of engineering, economics and IT, which I chose there um, during my studies there. And um, it was also a very good time and a bit of a, a entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. Now you have finished your study. What was the decision after you studied? Or the, was there an internship during your master uh, as well? or And how developed that to 
to your first job. Um, during my master, I actually continued to work for this company where I um, did the, um, the bachelor thesis. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was um, a working student there, but actually remote because it was uh, from Castle, more than one hour drive. I was only there once a month, maybe. And then at the end of uh, my studies, I decided to go to the Fraunhofer uh, in Kassel, the Fraunhofer IEE, um, which was uh, a research or is a research center focused on renewable energies and so on. Um, I had one tick mark missing at, in my in my um, whole career or in the whole studies, I would say, mm -hmm. which was to improve a bit the programming or at least lay the, the base layers. I had it a bit in the in the bachelor with visual basic programming and so on. But I always thought as an engineer, I should know at least basic programming language. And so on. that was also the reason I chose the Fraunhofer because I knew they were doing a lot of research based on Python data analysis and so on. So I did it there and essentially did a um, data analysis of wind turbines in Germany. So analyzed their market value and so on and did some kind of optimization there. So the, the main reason for doing that was to improve my programming skills, even though I knew I, I will probably not be a developer or something like that, but I thought it's good to have that as a, as a stack, let's say, and then applied for a job. And during that time, I applied in, in Kassel, but also in Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, the job situation was clearly better. So I ended up in Frankfurt again. <laughs> and working for an automotive company there and the reason for that was that i was always interested in automotive and i, I still am in cars and so on and started as a, at a korean um, at a korean manufacturer in europe so it's the european headquarter which was also an interesting insight because i came in a korean company working in in, in germany or europe so very international flair and Korean, many Koreans, many Europeans, so not only Germans, I would say Germans are even a very low um, group. And another reason was that I still wanted to continue to work in English. Uh, and this was also, an, was not a requirement, but I thought it would be good because I noticed I was in the UK, then was studying in, again two years in Germany. So no English at all. And I already noticed it's getting a bit weaker and so on. I'm, I'm not making progress there. So why not just choosing a company where I work uh, day by day in English? And I think this was also a good decision, to mm. do it. even though yeah, I changed the yeah. direction shortly afterwards a bit, but we will discuss this. Yeah. yeah, of course. Maybe the last question before we go to our big topic, blockchain and yeah. cryptocurrencies. What were your responsibilities at this uh, automotive company? Um, I was in between the dealerships in the market. So this, the sales, mm. the, the people who are doing actually the sales and the factory in, in Czech Republic. There's one big factory of Hyundai where they uh, manufacture several models for the European market. And the department where I was working was called business planning and the main task was to plan the volume for the markets, solve issues if there are any. For example, um, a hot topic during the time I was working there was the chip crisis. Mm. Um, during the COVID pandemic, as you know, um, 
the chip manufacturers change the direction of the chips more to the consumer electronics because the car um, the, the car market broke down. Now let us speak uh, about cryptocurrencies I and mean, then your first experience with those. When did you hear the first time about Bitcoin, Ethereum and so on? Actually, at that time, Ethereum did not exist because it was roughly, I think, in 2011. Mm -hmm. And at that time, friends of friends of friends or something mm -hmm. like that told me about the story that a friend of them had been arrested and he was arrested uh, due to some darknet activities. Mm -hmm. And what I also found at his home uh, were bitcoins mm -hmm. on, on, a, on a drive. So they confiscated these bitcoins, and I think this story also marks a bit marks the first time I heard it, but also a bit shady um, connection to Bitcoin because it was then, for, for like for many people, connected in my brain somehow to darknet and some illegal activities and so on, and at that time I did not dive any deeper because maybe of because of that and. Maybe also because I did not see um, that this was necessary at that time. So I didn't see the purpose or the, the target for that. When was the first time you took deeper? I would say it was a long process for me. Mm -hmm. So 2011 and the next time I heard about it was maybe in 2015 or 16 when we discussed it with a friend at the university when I was studying feedback. He mentioned to me we should mine bitcoin and also at that time i was not really interested i was just too focused on my studies i didn't look left or right i was like also maybe because i lost one year in the beginning of my studies because i changed i was really focused on finishing my studies and didn't want to hear much else i would say and then when i started in or during the time when i was in in the uk There was this uh, bull run, end of 2017, mm -hmm. uh, Bitcoin uh, was very high valued, I think up to $18,000 yeah. um, at that time. And of course, during the, uh, between the interns, it was also a hot topic there. Some bought uh, some coins and so on. Also other coins, they were like buying everything then. <laughs> at that time, I was also, I, I, I watched it, but I thought, um, Yeah, for me, it was too speculative at, the, at this time. And then directly when I started in Kassel, again, I had a friend uh, which studied with me together, which was very, very um, interested in it and very positive. He was in, in general, he was quite bullish about uh, cryptocurrencies, but also the ICOs. Before he, we started together, he bought, he, yeah, he invested in some ICO. Eventually, he, yeah, sold too late uh, but if he would have sold um, he would have made a lot of money and he was always <laughs> telling me that and he was saying like it will come again it will come again but um, as i mentioned this speculative character was always not so interesting for me but what we have discussed there was ethereum and iota and machine to machine payments and things like that as, as we were also studying engineering and this was something For the first time, I thought, okay, it could be interesting. But it took until um, the beginning of 2020, actually, that I really dig in deeper. And at that time, I heard the first time about DeFi. It was actually on the Binance Smart Chain, the, um, a decentralized exchange I read about. It was called Pancake Swap. You might have 
know it. <laughs> and the good thing there was it was a perfect start because I could, of course, you can also use testnet, but I could directly use the real um, blockchain and uh, Binance Smart Chain. So um, at that time, I read about it and it was some, somehow clear to me it's an interesting field. I should check it out. So I created a Binance account to get some uh, BNB installed in MetaMask wallet and just tried it out. Mm. Different protocols, uh, yeah, different protocols, aggregators and so on. And I found this topic really interesting. And, and afterwards, um, I read about it a lot more in the whole year, I would say in 2021, the whole year, it didn't let me go. I would say it was always in my mind that I thought it's, it's something I, I, I clearly saw, okay, with smart contract platforms, you can create something bigger because Bitcoin was for me, uh, yeah, maybe the, you can get uh, a digital um, store for value, but smart contract platforms were for me something like the app store and so on, which could which you can build on and create a bigger ecosystem. So where I also saw the chance for myself to develop something which can be in this ecosystem. Um, so this was the first time I saw some potential to be active in this space. Mm -hmm. um, when was the decision made to to change maybe your profession a little bit because of I know you did that. Yeah. When did you make this decision? It was end of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was spending many evenings and sometimes also the weekends on personal research about that topic. As I mentioned, I was very, um, very interested in it and very fascinated in it. Um, and at some point I thought, if you spend so much time of your free time in it, why shouldn't you invest? work time in it instead so and change the career and the job advertisement from frankfurt school blockchain center came at the right time it was end of 2021 i directly applied it took some time until um, i was accepted because it was also christmas time then afterwards and in the beginning of 2022 it was then clear that i would change or would move to the blockchain center which took then place in june 2022 due to some yeah but yeah. but i think uh, that was maybe the moment where we met each other i think it was beginning of 2022 march april around that time uh, and then of course you changed your profession to to blockchain and uh, went to, uh, now nowadays you're part of the frankfurt school blockchain center so let us know maybe or give us some insights what you're doing there what are your projects um, and what's maybe how is your daily work structured yeah so i have two project two main projects there at the moment one is the nft talents program which is part of the web3 talents mm -hmm. which is essentially an online mentoring program which runs 18 weeks and we accept around 200 students each time to these programs and educate them in the nft space and in this program i am in the role of a project manager i would say and have to manage all from the content, from um, hosting of the sessions, promotion, um, marketing. I get some support from our student consulting, but overall it's the whole, um, everything which is uh, connected to that program. Also selecting the candidates, uh, selecting mentors, guest speakers, and so on. 
So I get in contact with a lot of people there. Also a bit community management, I would say. We use Slack channels there to connect with the talents because they're not only doing education, they're also trying to build a network so that the students um, get connections to each other, maybe build projects uh, together and build a platform for yeah, a real ecosystem of education, I would mm -hmm. say. Maybe one question regarding that. Because uh, I work as a freelance consultant for the Franco School as well. And regarding the Web3 talents programs, I get maybe one question a lot. And maybe we can answer that now here in this podcast. What kind of advice can you give for the application somebody has to send? Uh, what's, what's maybe the best advice you can give somebody? Somebody's really motivated, they want to be part of those programs. What would the advice for that person? Yeah, I mean, in general, it's... Uh, We, we ask for a CV and a motivational letter. And the best is, of course, uh, that you can show somewhere. So first of all, your motivation in general. And it's nice to see that if people already have some experience in the space. So if you already have some blockchain, DeFi and so on experience, I think it's good to express it and to also express why you want to extend it further and so on. So. A well-structured CV and also a nice motivation letter. It doesn't have to be uh, very long. It, it can summarize it uh, quite compact. But I think if we see that there's a motivation and a reason for that, why they should participate, it's always a good condition to be in our program. Yeah. Especially if you give something for free and the programs are free yeah. in the end. Uh, I think the passion, the motivation is really important to, to endure uh, and uh, to to do them then the right candidates. Uh, what are other projects uh, besides of the Web3 Talents and NFT Talents program? So I'm also in a, in a project called Art Echo. It's a project funded by the European Union or European Commission, um, which we do with several other partners, so four other partners in, in general, which are more in the art space. And it's about... Um, bringing together art and economy, which is sometimes described as crypto art or NFTs and so on. We are there in there as a technology partner, I would say, or research partner. So my task is a bit um, to give some input for a fellowship program, which we actually create, uh, which, is not, which has just launched. We are very accepting some artists, you know, which get support from some mentors over a certain time to dive into the crypto art space. And my task there is a bit to build a base layer and also write a report, which can be then published and describes the status of crypto art and where it might go and what we as the consortium would recommend stakeholders in that space, be it artists, galleries, curators, and so on, everybody who is in, involved there, what to do and how to position yourself to be successful in that market. And to also um, build a platform or a perspective uh, for creators in the European Union, especially maybe in, in, in regions where the economics in general or the industry is not so strong, so where people have have maybe no options to work in a corporate company or something like that. Um, and besides of this project, any anything you're doing maybe uh, in the blockchain space, besides maybe the, the Frankfurt School, of course, I know of a 
few projects, yeah. uh, for example, the Mita we are organizing together. But what are maybe side projects? You don't have to talk too much about those, but what kind of topics are you interested in and maybe working on? Yeah, yeah. so, so one, one additional um, project or section I would say I'm working on is in general lecturing and guest speaker. So I'm trying to extend that. It was also a goal of myself to be uh, a bit more confident in public speaking, mm -hmm. lecturing and so on. And I think during the time I already developed that quite, quite good. So um, starting this year, I was appointed actually as a lecturer at the Frankfurt School uh, in the new Master of Blockchain and Digital Assets. I was in an on online course um, called uh, Founders Blockchain and Web3, or Master of Blockchain and Web3. Um, and several other lectures or seminars. Just recently, actually one hour ago, I came from a seminar which is called Digital Assets. So where we um, educate people in the finance industry um, about the blockchain technology, digital assets and everything else. So that is clearly a direction I'm planning to go, mm -hmm. but not full time. I think I will do that besides because I think it's a nice way um, to develop yourself, to also network, get build a network and so on. And then another layer I think um, I'm exploring at the moment is building own projects. Um, so I'm working, for example, with a few people, uh, let's say roughly at, uh, on the topic of tokenomics and token reports. So that's something um, I'm trying to go for even though not knowing at the moment if what how this will develop. But I'm uh, quite optimistic about the future, I would say, at the moment. I'm in, I'm in a very good position, I think, because I have many options and, yeah, I'm quite confident about that. Yeah, it's one of the things that excites me the most at the moment. If I take a look at the professional blockchain space, most people have maybe a job or maybe one, one profession, but at the same time, there's this part-time job or this part-time project and maybe another one and so on. So you really feel the drive of the people to, to develop something, to build something for this industry. Let us speak about big topics in the blockchain space. Um, I personally see at the moment three hot topics, um, DeFi, NFTs and the metaverse. So maybe what's your personal ranking and what's your opinion about those three topics? Yeah, I agree. And I would argue a bit with the hype cycle in general. For example, I recently saw the Gartner Web3 blockchain hype cycle. And there you can clearly see the um, direction and also the order of these things. So DeFi is the most established one. And I think here the direction is very clear because to bring financial service on chain peer to peer direct um, directions, no intermediaries, and maybe also additional services where private investors or retail investors did not have access to and so on. So the direction here is very clear. But my point of view is just there will be ups and downs. Um, there, were, there, there were some in the past. And I think they were getting lower. The, um, the, the waves are, are mm -hmm. getting lower. But I would say give, give it maybe five years in time. And then you will see some really established project and some more adoption. Two things, or well, at least one thing here is just the regulation, I think, which is an essential part here. 
And what I would like to see here are the connection of self-hosted wallet and KYC. So the identity um, identification is a, is a big topic here. And I think important also for the mass adoption that it can be um, clearly regulated because in the financial system, you just have to identify people. It's just like that. You maybe have to accept it. You cannot be completely anonymous or also even not maybe pseudonymous on the internet. And NFTs, um, I would say, are a part of that system, um, of that ecosystem. And the technology, I think, is really promising and has a lot of potential because it's essentially just digital ownership for me in the, in the uh, online world. But here we are a bit, here, here we are uh, uh, not so far as with DeFi. I think it's not that established. And currently we are more in the situation of discussing use cases and so on. So I'd say here, maybe give it five to eight years and then we will see uh, a lot more established uh, projects and services here based on NFTs and so on. Um, and the last topic, Metaverse. Uh, I also um, see some potential here, uh, but more in the future. Uh, for me, the Metaverse is just a connection of many things like gaming, e-commerce, um, just online gatherings and so on. Everything could be essentially built together in the, in the Metaverse. So the potential I think here is really big, even though I think it will take more time to really establish um, the metaverse and the blockchain here can be a good technology as a base layer. People then sometimes argue, yeah, not everything needs to be um, capitalistic and so on, but it's also, it starts with the identification. The second layer would then be the digital assets. And the last point would be other certificates. And I think if you have an interoperable way to do that over several platforms and so on, uh, blockchain is just a good base layer for that. So overall, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think these are the three main topics. I would maybe add DAOs as the future of collaboration, online co collaboration and founding companies and so on. So yeah, that's my current view on that. But what kind of topic um, are you excited the most? Or what kind of topic in, do you invest the most time? At the moment, um, when I started, it was, it was mainly only DeFi. Mm -hmm. um, but um, now I would say, yeah, at the moment, due to the one project is the tokenomics part. So to dive in deeper beyond the token economics and so on, that's one part. And the other is, as I just mentioned, DAOs, so decentralized autonomous organizations. I would like to see more in, also especially more in Germany's companies based on such uh, a technology. Um, I think it's a nice form of online co cooperative, which has a lot of potential. And I would like to see that more evolving um, and would like to see that as a legal company. We already have that in the US as the Wyoming LLC. Um, unfortunately, the US is the some topics a bit ahead always, but um, I'm sure that uh, good lawyers in Germany are also working on topics like that. Yeah, I agree. Sooner or later, something in that uh, area will come as well. Um, let us speak or let us shift maybe a little bit back to the more personal 
uh, side, uh, what was your biggest obstacle in your life to overcome? Um, maybe the biggest challenge, and maybe at the same time the biggest success that you have overcome there. Yeah, I would say uh, the biggest, it, it's still a bit work-related, I would say, but um, the biggest challenge uh, was at the end of my master, actually my master's thesis, because when I started there, as I mentioned, I wanted to improve my programming, but I started with very low uh, coding skills and needed at least a medium uh, Python skills to do all the work there. I had not so much uh, experience in wind parks and so on, so I had to really um, start very fast into the topic. On the other hand, I still wanted to finish my studies on time. I was a bit under self-pressure, I would say. There was no real pressure, but I wanted to do it. And yeah, in the end, it took more time than I wanted. I think I was there roughly nine months, but I planned only to be there six months. I mean, the Bachelor's thesis time was six months, I think, but I need, I just needed a few months ahead, which I had not, had not planned before to uh, finish um, everything. So sometimes in the end, of course, it brought us three months, nothing, of course, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have changed a lot, but uh, I was uh, a bit too ambitious there, I think, and I was like, yeah, in six months I can finish this, and I clearly, <laughs> Very interesting. And what would be maybe advice for your younger self regarding your personal life? If you have to give you advice around 16, 18, what would it be? Maybe regarding pressure, pressuring uh, yourself, himself, herself, um, how to deal with maybe with, with great uh, pressure or ambition? Mm. Yeah, I think what I was um, thinking here first is a bit connected to mm. that. Because I mentioned during my studies or during school time, I was always super focused on uh, finishing it, which was on the one hand good. Yeah, if you want to, to, if the studies are for three years and you're doing it in three years, then it's of course nice and you have a clear goal and you work on it. Um, but what I sometimes forgot is yeah to look left and right to look for some other interesting options. So I would the advice would be. Be a bit more curious, open-minded, and maybe unbiased, more unbiased, because also regarding the blockchain technology or cryptocurrencies, I was before maybe a bit biased or not open to it. So if I would have been more open, I think I would have dived in deeper earlier, which would be an advantage maybe now, because of course, I, in the end I did, but it took me a lot of time. As I mentioned, there were several chances to dive in deeper people uh, yeah actually motivated me to to, to do so and we're like okay yeah here go for it here's an interesting topic and i was like no i have to finish my studies i, I will go there yeah. yeah yeah very interesting sometimes uh well i completely agree if i take a look at myself sometimes you want to take this one way yeah uh, and then you have to take another one and you feel maybe frustrated. But if you take a look back three or five years later, you know, maybe that was the right way, uh, but you haven't chosen it, but it was maybe chosen for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's like that. How to achieve that? Maybe one question to that, to, to be open-minded. What would you say um, is maybe a good training uh, or a good opportunity to to do this on a daily basis, you know, because 
to to give maybe somebody an advice, be open-minded is, is one what, yeah. the first step. Yeah. But the second step, how I'm doing that on on the daily basis? Yeah, I think um, reading often helps. Yeah, like news. Also, if you're interested in technical things, um, read some tech news and so on. And this is actually also how I ended in the blockchain space because I read it clearly in the in the news about some articles um, and how this usually works if you're then researching it, Googling it and so on, then such things will be suggested to you. But I think first step that you have to do is find out about it, explore it and go maybe in several directions. And I, I had a feeling when I was younger that um, there was always only one topic which interested me and the rest I left, mm. left aside. But especially if you're not yet fixed in your career and um, have the time, the time that you have in doing studies will usually not come back. If you start working full time, you will know what I mean. Um, so I would say use that time to explore several things, to try it out, read about it and so on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's the best time to to explore new things, to tra travel maybe through a few countries, to, to get new experience. Um, I think that's that's really important for, for young people. And of, of course, I'm young on my own, <laughs> uh, so I really try to, to do this um, on, on a monthly basis. Um, maybe now we are at the beginning of 2023, you know, beginning of February. Um, what's your outlook for 2023? maybe in the first step for the crypto market and then the second step maybe for you personally yeah yeah so for the crypto market i expect i expect a bit silent year in the beginning i would say i think it will continue for a while that um, the market will come or is already down a bit come down and i think we will do uh, see lots of projects people start building and companies start building on it um, which is important, I think, for the whole ecosystem because um, in these hype cycles and so on, um, the too, there's just too much uh, traction in there and people get maybe too excited about it. So I think it would be a good year if, if uh, we have some stability in the market in general and only a bit uh, constant race, I would say instead of all in or nothing like it happened in the last years several times and regarding my yeah my personal development um i have the target um, to extend a bit what i started last year so i mentioned lecturing and guest speaking i want to extend that a bit um, do some workshop in, in companies get on um, some conferences for example um, i will be at nft talent in, in may and maybe one or two more, not too much, I think, because I personally think if you uh, go on too many events, it will be also very exhausting and you might lose a bit of focus. But um, so I see some people in the crypto ecosystem traveling a lot. I sometimes wondering when they are working, but I, I can just speak for myself that um, I, uh, I think I cannot handle too much traveling and working at the same time. But maybe this will change in the future. I don't know. So I want to find balance there between being here in Frankfurt, but also uh, do some traveling and um, yeah, build a track record there on, in this direction. 
but also want to uh, work on my own projects and hope that um, yeah, I can get some traction in there, get something done and see some results. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Um, so now the last question. What's the best way for the people to reach out to you? Um, usually it's LinkedIn. So um, I use several social medias, but the first one is LinkedIn. I also try to yeah keep my network there a bit updated, what I'm doing, what we are working on and so on. So yeah, you can follow me there. I think um, if you want to have insights to the Web3 Talents Blockchain Center, what we are doing in the ecosystem here in Frankfurt and so on. Um, but also um, Twitter would be fine for the, those who don't like it, but I'm not so active on Twitter than on LinkedIn and yeah. So guys, follow Mark Anders on LinkedIn and Twitter. Mark, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot.